All right, everybody, welcome to church. Those of you watching online, watching the recording, we welcome you too. I know this is the season where people are in and out, depending on what's going on in your life. Maybe you're out of town, maybe there is sick people in your home, and we just are glad that we can provide that option, but we are glad that there are people here and worshiping together. That's such a, a privilege. And as we come to God's Word this morning, I invite you to pray with me and just understanding. I mean, we have a circumstance in our world right now that is, is loud, but there are other ones as well. There are people in our church that have loved ones that um, are dying of various, you know, or, or uh, in critical states that aren't COVID-related. We have people that have relatives living in places that are are also facing other challenges. We all have friends, and, and we're aware of the, around the world where things are going on. I mean, I'm thinking of a friend from Haiti who's whose family and, and whose neighborhood is, is in a mess right now because of the last earthquake, everyone's afraid. And so, so understand there are much, there are bigger things going around all around us besides the, the things that we all hear and see every week. And so as we come to God's word, we just want to lay down those anxieties, those burdens, and come and just hear freshly from God this morning. And so would you pray with me as we come to him together? Thank you, Lord, that you listen to our prayers that you are God who keenly watches over this world and over our lives. Thank you, O Lord, for just provision, for protection, for care, and for the fact that we can gather here this morning in freedom. We can open your word without fear of reprisal, that we can gather as your people and proclaim to everyone here and everyone watching, that there is new life in Jesus Christ. And so we give you praise for that. We thank you that you are the God who holds history in your hands. You know what's going to happen, and you have a plan. And as your people, we can trust you and trust in your plan. And so we, we look to that today. Guide us. I pray for your comfort for those that are, are facing difficult situations. I have loved ones that are, are, are in severe situations, Lord, would you just encourage those hearts. For others that are uncertain about job prospects, have school situations going on, Lord, other things, Lord, you know them all. I pray for your comfort and your care. We lay those at your feet now and just enable us to hear and listen to your word as we come to it together. Now, guide this preacher. Lord, take these fish and loaves that I bring to you and multiply them to everyone that hears this message. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Your perspective makes all the difference. You, you have a viewpoint of life. You see things a certain way, a worldview, you might call it. And how you see life affects how you behave in life. It's part of resetting your perspective is just making sure that you're thinking properly about things. There's a little story we used to read to our kids, and maybe you read it as a kid, called Chicken Little. Anyone know that story, Chicken Little? Henny Penny, right? Henny Penny's pecking underneath the tree, and this acorn lands on her head. Donk! And Henny Penny is suddenly, like, terrified. And so she runs, and because in her mind now, her perspective, the sky is falling. And so Henny Penny runs, and as she's running, she, she comes across Ducky Lucky. And then, well, you know, where are you going, Henny Penny? I'm going to see the king because the sky is falling, you know. And so the Ducky Lucky joins Henny Penny, and they're running together to see the king because the sky is falling, and suddenly they run into 
Turkey Lurkey. And Turkey Lurkey joins Hanny Penny and Ducky Lucky because go to see the king because the sky is falling. And as they move along, you know, they come across Ganderlander, right? And there they are. And so, so on and so forth, all the barnyard fowl find their way to going, heading towards the king to tell him about this great tragedy that is going to befall the whole farmyard. The sky is falling. And lo and behold, and this is the original, the Brothers Grimm, Foxy Loxy happens to encounter this group. And he says, I know the way to the king, follow me. And so Foxy Loxy takes him around the corner and into this large hole in the ground. And there inside the hole is Foxy Loxy's family. And they enjoy a lovely Thanksgiving meal of turducka lucky gucky And, you know, there they are, you know. All, and that, that's the Brothers Grimm. Now, you've probably read a more sanitized story. If you read the original Grimm, like, they, they always end on this sort of dark note. They're like, life is hard, life is real, be careful what you think. And, you know, I mean, Brothers Grimm are very realistic. Our modern ones are much more sanitized and, you know, we, we, we kind of filter them for our children. But Brothers Grimm are like, let's prepare kids for real life, you know. The reality is, if you get it wrong and your perspective affects your, your actions, your actions can cause you and many others around you to head in a direction that isn't beneficial, all because you misinterpreted the situation, the circumstances of your life. If you were around, I'm thinking of people over the age of 25, 26, maybe 27. 1999, right? Do you remember that? The world is going to end. Who knows what might happen? Why 2K, right? And even Christians writing books. I mean, to the shame of their names, they're writing books telling Christians to store up water and buy generators and do this and do that. And everyone, there's this hysteria, hysteria. Now, now some of us were just buying New Year's Eve food and, and playing card games. We didn't care what's going to happen. I don't know, but I'm not going to worry about it. Others are like, oh, let's brace for it. Let's brace for it. Let's brace for it. And, and we're watching the time zones, right? The first time zone to hit midnight, nothing. Second time zone. Nothing, 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 nothing. And suddenly you go on Craigslist or buy and sell and there's generators for sale and there's this. And well, you know, but, but you know this, this idea, right, that the, the, the perspective, and it begins to infect a crowd and then a crowd begins moving in the same direction. Now, I, I'm not making a political statement, although there have been similar sentiments said in the media, especially about the sky is falling. The sky is falling. And, and however that narrative is played out over the last even 10 years, right, environmentally, economically, and now, you know, health-wise, I mean, we keep hearing these messages, and then we come to God's Word, and we don't, we don't hear that message. We hear a different message. We, we see that God has a story and a narrative that he's written from the very beginning, and that narrative is he is in the process of resetting his people into an alignment and relationship with him. That's what the whole story of the Bible is about. I want people to know me, God says. And I'm going to do everything I can to bring people into a relationship with me. And he begins with this, with Abraham and a nation of Israel. And then he, he brings, ultimately comes to Jesus Christ. And, and this is the process. God's like, I want people to come into relationship with me. I want them to walk with me. I want them to trust me. I want them, their perspective to be formed and guided from a relationship with me and from my holy And what we find in the book of Haggai, which is 520 B.C., we find a group of 
returned people, people, Israelites, Jews that had returned, a remnant has come back to the land, and they're there to rebuild the temple. They've started, but then they quit because things got tar- hard. The pressure was on them. There was a lot of fear involved, and God sends the prophet Haggai just to remind them to get back to the task, to challenge them to get onto God's reset agenda, reset your priorities, reset your passion, now reset your perspective. Here we are, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. We're a couple weeks into the project. Understand this seventh month is a significant month in the history of Israel. I mean, this was when there several feasts. There was the Feast of Trumpets on the first day of this month. The the 10th day was the Day of Atonement. The day 15 started the the Feast of Tabernacles. That lasted seven days. We're at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. It's kind of the the high point of the month. It's an exciting month for the religious calendar, except for this one reality. They don't really have a temple. They just kind of have this foundation. It's still in construction. And all these pilgrims from around have come in, and guess what they're saying? Ooh. I guess it's taking a while, eh? <laughs> sure doesn't look very good, does it, eh? You know, you, know, it's, you know when you go on a diet or you start a new exercise plan and you, you're into it about a month and your buddies are like, whoa, I guess you kind of dropped it, didn't you? No, I'm still doing it every day. And they're like, oh, I don't see anything. And you're so discouraged, right? You're like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Surely I should be lighter and, and look more svelte. And, you know, and, and here they are. All these people have been coming through. It was the same month <clears throat> years ago, decades ago that Solomon had dedicated the temple, the big temple, the glorious temple, the gold-lined temple, the the carved, hand-carved temple, the the beautiful, glorious temple of Solomon had been dedicated in this month. And there they are, all these pilgrims coming in, and they're like, oh, well, I guess we got a long way to go, don't we? (laughs) You know, and and, and the workers are just feeling the, the cloud over their heads. You see, God is fully aware of your current circumstances. He's not unaware of the things you're facing in your life. The uncertainty, the fear, the discouragement. He, he knows. He knows the pressures in your life. He, he's aware. He, here we are. and We haven't got to the yet, but understand, this is the context. On this day, all these people have come through. They've probably heard a lot of, you know, little comments being barbed at him, and it's beginning to weigh them down. And in verse 2, he says, Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and to the remnant of the people. He's like, speak to everyone, to the leaders and to the people. And here's what he says. Verse 3. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? There might have been a few seniors, 70s, 80s, that had remembered the original temple. Most of these people probably didn't, but there was probably a few, and he's, he's just recalling, and maybe if you weren't, you remember what your grandparents said about that temple, or your parents. Who among you was there, he says. And then he says, how does it look to you now? Doesn't it seem to you like nothing by Comparison. 
And if in modern terms, we'd say, thanks, Captain Obvious. You know, thanks, God, way to go. Yeah, you know, thanks for just stating what we're all thinking and we're all feeling. That is just a pile of rubble. We've, we've clearing, we're clearing, we're clearing, and, and, and we don't seem like we're getting anywhere. And all these people have come through and be like, wow, I don't know, is this everything ever going to get done, you know? And, and this is like, oh. Some of you have been in renovation projects like this. <laughs> you get to the middle, right? You, it's, tearing out walls and stuff is fun. And then you get to the middle and it's just like, oh, you're just slugging. And every time you turn, there's one more thing to do, one more thing to do, one more thing to do. And you're just like, oh, I quit. You know, and if you watch HDTV, there's programs all about this. People that start and, this, and, this, and quit their projects and, and then they bring in people like uh, Jasmine, what's her name? <laughs> she, she comes in and, and she, she does this thing called Help, I Wrecked My House. And she picks up your project where it is and then finishes it. Uh, you know, and you're going to spend a lot more than you would have doing yourself, but at least it's done, you know. And, and here they are, and they're like, oh, this is so horrible. And God comes along and states the obvious. You see, God's perspective is realistic. He knows what you're living in. He knows what we're facing. He sees the circumstances of our life, and he's like, yeah, doesn't look very good, does it? No, it doesn't look very good, does it, God? Sometimes maybe we're, re we're talking about something 2,500 years ago. We're like, yeah, I I'm just trying to just get a feel for it. So I brought some modern pictures for you. Of, so here we are. New York. 9-11. Let's go to the next one. I mean, you walk in and you're like, where do we start? How, how do you clear out this disaster? And it's not, just the, it's not just the rubble, it's the hearts of the people that are just devastated that something like this could happen in, in a major city in America. I mean, it's not just rebuilding physicality, but it's also rebuilding, you know, resolve and courage and faith and all these things in people. And, and, and this is in our lifetime, we, we've, we've seen this. But now, of course, if you look at the next picture, it's a nice little park. Things can be rebuilt. So let me bring it a little closer to home, the next picture here. Fort McMurray, just north of us here. Now understand here, this is how it works from God's perspective. He looks at your life and mine, and this is what he sees before we come to Jesus. He sees a burned out car. He sees potential, but he sees, he's fully aware of our sinfulness, of our complete inability to rebuild our lives on our own, but God comes in through Jesus Christ and rebuilds our lives. That's the good news of new life in Jesus Christ. But, but this is where we all start out, is in this place. And here we are, God's rebuilding the nation. He's rebuilding the temple, but, but they're looking at, at the charred remains. They gotta haul out all that metal. We gotta clean out all the brick. We gotta haul out the ashes. And then we gotta start from scratch and build and build and build. And that's what God's doing in our life. The first part when you come to Jesus is, is yeah, you're in new life. But then he starts, okay, Mike, can you get rid of that Jeep? And how about that Volkswagen, that burned out Volkswagen? Haul that out too, Mike. And he begins to clean up our life. Haul out the ashes. It's not a pretty or fun job, but God begins to clean that out. Why? So we can build something new and fresh in that spot. Just like that picture you saw of New York. I mean, it's a nice park there now, but before it was just piles of rubble. God is rebuilding. He's rebuilding people together in this thing called the church. God's fully aware of your current circumstances. The book of Ezra, chapter 3, which is a parallel passage, says, as they laid the foundation of the temple, there was this loud noise in Jerusalem. All the neighbors heard it. It was like a big sports game, you know, where it's just like, Rah! but the thing is, for those present, this is what they, what they said. 
you couldn't tell the difference between those who were crying and those who were cheering. Because those who had seen the original temple were like, oh, we're so far away from what it was. And everyone was like, the other people were like, yeah, we're getting close to what it was. You know, we can't believe we're back on the place and it's happening. I mean, there were, there were two conflict, opposite polar extremes of emotion. At the same time, people heard the loudness and they could say, I couldn't tell who was crying, who was laughing, who was cheering. It was just a loud noise. And this is the reality of perspective. God is fully aware of your current circumstances. This was also the time when the feast when they brought their tithes to the Lord. God's people have always done this. When you worship God, you bring him a portion of everything that he gives you because that is a reflection of your worship and acknowledgement that he is Lord and sovereign over all. It's how the temple runs and how, how the church runs. Everyone brings their peace. God blesses you richly, you bring more. God you know, you have less, you bring less, but everyone proportionally brings together and we run a ministry together in the tabernacle, in the temple, here in the church. But the problem is, as chapter one tells us, it had been a poor harvest. So as the Feast of Ingathering came, people were like, well, this is kind of depressing because people are just bringing in a little bit of grain, just a few olives, a couple grapes, whatever. And they're like, this is really depressing. But God is aware of their circumstance and of ours. He has a realistic perspective. Because we get to verse 4, we see that he encourages us in our situation. See that? He says, even so, be strong, Zerubbabel. This is the Lord's declaration. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. This is the Lord's declaration. Work, for I am with you, the declaration of the Lord of armies. Did you see that? Three times he's like, be strong, you, the king. Be strong, you, the priest. Be strong, you, the people. Be strong. And he says, and as a result of that strength, you can put your hands to the work. Those are commands. Be strong, work, and in the next verse, which we'll get to in a minute, he says, don't be afraid. God speaks encouragement in our situation, and he tells you and tells me to be strong. And in that strength that he provides to do the work that he's called us to do. To keep doing what I've called you to do. When Solomon was going to build this temple, David, his dad, the king, said, be strong, Solomon, and do this work. And now as they are now rebuilding the temple, God's house, he says to them, be strong. To the leadership, to the people, be strong. Be strong, be strong. I don't know if you need that word today, but God is speaking to you in your circumstances saying, be strong, be strong. He says, get to work. The problem is when you're afraid, when you're overwhelmed, when your perspective kind of clouds your, your vision and you're, you just want to stop doing anything. I felt like that. I just want to curl up in the fetal position and, you know, and binge watch Netflix because what else can I do? What else can I do? God says, be strong and get to work. The kingdom mandate and mission of Jesus is not over. He doesn't over till he comes back and says, it's over, it's done, finished, let's move on to the final kingdom. In the meantime, he's commanded us to go and make disciples. Perhaps a command more pertinent today than ever before because of all the paranoia and fear out there. If it is as bad, like I said, as they say it is, then it should be even more 
stringent upon our hearts that we would want to do this because if people are going to be dying en masse like they say they will, then, then we should be out there telling them about the good news of Jesus. I've not done any extra funerals in the last two years. Frank and Elijah and I have not been living out at the graveyard because there's so many people going in the ground. Understand, that's not been happening here. But people are dying without Jesus. The urgency of that. People are sitting in their homes afraid and paralyzed because they don't have Jesus. I mean, that's happening all around us. And that should motivate us to work, to share the good news, to be aware and to be. And that's what we did all summer. Praise God, New Life Church, team, team, church family. We, we did it. We shared the good news all summer. It was awesome. We did the work. We were strong. We worked. And God reminded us that he is with us. He says in verse 5, This is the promise I made to you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit is present among you. Don't be afraid. You know, we can't forget what God's done in the past. I mean, he took a whole group of slaves through the Red Sea, around the wilderness for 40 years, and brought them into the promised land. He fed them, provided for them. Their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothing didn't wear out. They were able to reproduce and, and become a great nation. God looked after them. He fulfilled his promise to them. And we, God's people today, can look back and say, God is a promise-keeping God. And he had in the front of the group, as the camp moved around, this pillar of fire at night, pillar of cloud by day, they would set up the tabernacle and you'd see the pillar sitting over top of this holy of holies. God's with us. God's with us. And today, the, the, the believer is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. So, so you have like your own little pillar of cloud. I mean, it's not visible, but, but you are the dwelling place of God. His Spirit dwells in you. So as you move around, he's with you. As a result, you don't need to be afraid. Do not be afraid. The one thing that can change a reset perspective and, and alter it in the wrong direction is fear, right? Henny penny, right? The sky is falling. But when we reset our perspective and put God in the center of our minds and in our focus, we are strengthened, we resolve to do the work he's called us to do, and we are not dominated by fear any longer. Fear kind of gets pushed to the background as Jesus comes into the foreground. God speaks encouragement to our situation. Here's a picture I have right here of the people. There they are. They're building. They're building the temple, working together. It's still hard to see what it's going to be like, but they just keep their eyes on God and doing what he's called them to do and trusting him that his plan, his narrative will continue despite whatever else might happen. And then God says, to keep a proper perspective, you need to look ahead. Verse six says there, for the Lord of armies said this, says this, once more, in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. Verse 7, I will shake all the nations so that all the treasures of the nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of armies. This idea of shaking. You know, when God shakes, that's his intervention in human history. I mean, he comes and he brings the, the Ten Commandments and the law on, on Mount Sinai and it says like the whole, the whole place was shaking. When the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, the, the place was shaking. 
God is intervening in history. He's like, I'm going to intervene once again. It'll be the final shakedown. It's literally like, I'm going to grab the bully by his ankles. I'm going to hold him up. I'm going to shake him. And all the toonies and loonies and bells are going to fall out of his pocket. And they're going to come into the temple. <laughs> and we're going to regather the resources of this world around me and my agenda. I don't know if you've ever feel that. Like, man, how come the rich keep getting richer and the, the wicked keep getting wickeder and, and God's people see, you know, don't seem to ever you know, crack that and you wonder, oh, what's going to happen? But here God in the book of Haggai says, you know, that the economic reversal will happen and everything will be reoriented to my currency, to our currency, to the currency of God and, and his people and it will return. And so here they are sitting in a pile of rubble, living in poverty, below the poverty line, struggling to, to get by day by day, month by month. And God says, don't worry, man, the, the money is coming in. He says in verse eight, the silver and gold belong to me. This is the decoration of the Lord of armies. God is sovereign and he owns everything. And while people that disregard God, you know, build up their own economic systems, et cetera, et cetera. He's like, ultimately, it all comes back to me, God says. I mean, in heaven, I'm going to pave the, the roads with this stuff. So, I mean, I just understand. I got this under control. Trust me on this one. He says in verse 9, the final glory of this house will be greater than the first, says the Lord of armies. And I will provide peace in this place. This is the direct declaration of the Lord of armies or the Lord of hosts. You look at a pile of rubble, but understand, like, what, you, what will, it will be in the end is going to be greater than you could even imagine. You can't even fathom just how glorious this place is going to be. And, and why is that? Well, it's because ultimately the, the temple, it, it ends with Jesus as, as, as the king, and his glory fills the temple. Jesus is the one who brings peace to us. You see this here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, the one who made both groups into one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. He is our peace. And in John 14, 27, Jesus himself says this, Peace I leave to you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world does. Don't let your heart be distressed or lacking in courage. Now, doesn't that sound familiar to what the message of Haggai here? Don't be, don't, don't be troubled or fearful. Trust in me. I'm giving you my peace. So if you're walking with Jesus, you can claim this promise or the promises that Tina read earlier, which were great. They're, the Bible's full of them. The world doesn't give you this type of peace, but God gives you this type of peace, and that peace invades your heart and your mind and takes over and pushes out all fear, all anxiety, all, 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 you know, all depression. I mean, it just, it just pushes it out, pushes it out, pushes it out as Jesus and his peace indwells and, and takes residence in your life. I needed some of this this week because I was dealing with some situations that weren't very peaceful. And I felt very helpless to do anything. And I had to turn to God and say, God, help me through this. And the 
Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, will, or peace of God, which will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, will, will build up an encampment. And I, and I found in that moment some peace from God, not from myself, from God, that his narrative will be completed. This mess we're in, and it is a mess, is because humans are trying to run the world without God. Always ends up to be a mess. Every time leaders and those in authority seek to find solutions to the problems of life without God, it ends up a mess. And we, the people of God, have got to wade through that garbage because that's what it, it just creates this, this carnage. We're, we're like walking into 9-11 New York City and it's just dust, ashes, metal, twisted. And, and, and we, we just, we got to walk into that and, and wade through it and bring the peace and the, the hope and the light of Jesus Christ in, into a dark and dying and hopeless world. And here's what we're doing. He says, keep working, be strong. Keep working. Don't be afraid. I am with you. If you can somehow get that into your head, your perspective, it will affect the way you walk through this life. And yeah, you know what? There's going to be some mess. It may get uglier before it gets prettier, I'm telling you. But we know where it's going to end up. God's going to shake down the heavens and the earth, the nations. I mean, he is in control. His plan will prevail. And so let's just stick with Jesus. Trust him. Walk with him. Count on him. Let him reset your perspective. If you need to, you may need to turn off the TV. If necessary, call and cancel it. Limit your intake of social media. If the messages on there aren't good, maybe step off it for a while. Maybe make some connections with some other people and, and meet you know, online in a more kind of Zoom kind of context where it's just people you know that are going to give you the right messages and encouragement. Just be aware. There's all sorts of stuff out there, but I'm returning you to the message of God. Hear what he has to say and let him reset your perspective today. The team's going to come up and, and lead us in a closing song and, and as we prepare for that I just invite you to pray with me as as we close here and um, resetting your perspective starts with letting Jesus Christ be Lord of your life acknowledging that he died on the cross for your sins and rose again so you could walk in newness of life if you don't have that none of this makes sense so I encourage you to, to just return to Jesus today find the peace that he wants you to have and help and pray that he would just Help us to have the right perspective in the situations we face. Lord, we thank you for this word, for your encouragement to the people 2,500 years ago, your encouragement to us here today. I pray for, for mothers and, and fathers who are facing difficult decisions in the, every day in their lives. I pray for grandmothers. I pray for business owners. I pray for employees here, Lord. I pray for, for your people for seniors, for singles, for those isolated. Lord, there are so many challenges and, and, and things that come into our minds that would draw us away from you. Return our hearts and our minds to you. Renew our perspective. Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. transform our minds as we come to your word and allow the truth to permeate our lives. Mm -hmm. And so speak to us and encourage us this morning in a fresh way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. From 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless 
at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Go in that grace. God bless you.